Hello, friends. Welcome back to Tales of a Shockingly Strange Past. I'm your host, Jess, and Luna's in the background crying. Thanks for joining us. This next episode is on the Demon House. Perhaps even more disturbing tonight, a report out of Indiana. You may have seen this on The Factor. Wait until you hear where we're taking the story. The reports suggest that demons took over a family in their home. And Trace Gallagher has the details. Trace? And Megan, the comparisons to the Amityville are notable because it was just days after the Ammon family moved into their house, they say the horror began, the black flies swarming, children being levitated, shadowy figures pacing the house. Hello, all of my beautiful friends out there. How you guys doing? I hope you're all well, happy, and healthy. Are you getting ready for Christmas? Are you ready for Christmas? Can you believe Christmas is here? I can't. I just can't get over that fact of that it's about to be 2022. Just, you know, life goes quick and it makes me sad, but also happy because good things are happening. So good things are coming to us all. I believe that. I'm actually proud of myself. Like the last couple of years, I'm done with Christmas shopping already. I know you're like, it's the week before Christmas. You should be done. But I was one of those people that I'd be out the day before um, Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve shopping. And I don't do that anymore. Okay. So be proud of me because I'm proud of myself. Okay. Let's get into the episode. Actually, first, let me just say this. Welcome to any new listeners out there. Thank you for joining me. I know I've had a few in the last um, couple of weeks and I should have been saying this all along, but welcome and thank you. So this week's episode is on the demon house. I'm going to give you a two-parter with this one because this first episode is going to be on the family who lived in the demon house, where it all started. And then the second part is going to be about this man who bought the house and, you know, they did a paranormal investigation there and what happened to them while they were there. Cause it's pretty fucking crazy too. So the demon house, I just like the name of it too. JR's like, you gotta do this. And he's the one who showed it to me. So yeah, I'll I'll never live down the ones that he tells me to do. He's like, remember I told you to do that one. All right. So these events happened in Gary, Indiana, which was once considered the murder capital of the United States. It was also one of the strangest cases ever handled by the Department of Child Services. Many of the events that occurred are detailed in nearly 800 pages of official records obtained by the Indianapolis Star and are recounted in more than a dozen interviews with police, DCS personnel, psychologists, family members, and a Catholic priest. Before I move on, I don't know if you just heard Luna in the background, but she was like, and that's the sign that she's getting ready to fall asleep. So if you heard her, she's getting ready to pass out. Back to the story. 
In November 2011, Latoya Ammons, her three children, and her mother, Rosa Campbell, moved into a white rental cottage at 3860 Carolina Street. Shortly after the family moved in, the unusual occurrences started to begin. The first incident they reported was huge black flies swarming inside of their screened-in porch in the middle of December. The flies would continue to come, despite how cold it was. Rosa Campbell said she remembered thinking, This is not normal. We killed them and killed them and killed them, but they kept coming back. After the fly incident, another reoccurring event had started. Shortly after midnight, Latoya and her mother would hear footsteps walking up the basement stairs and then the creak of the basement door opening, which led into the kitchen. They would investigate the noises and to make sure the door was locked, but no one would be there and the noises would continue. One night, Rosa had awakened with a strange feeling that someone was in the house. She peeked out into the living room and was completely startled when she saw a dark, shadowy figure pacing back and forth. I would have been like, all right, wake up, we're leaving, we're moving, we're never coming back. Leave your things. Obviously, it's not that easy, but that's what I would like to think I'd do. She jumped out of bed to go see what was going on. The dark shadow was gone, but Rosa did find large, muddy boot prints on the floor. On March 10, 2012, less than a year of moving in, Rosa said the family's unease turned to fear. It was around 2 a.m. Latoya, Rosa, and the kids would normally be sleeping, but they were mourning the death of a loved one with a group of friends who were also at the Ammons' home. Latoya went to go check on the kids who were in her mother Rosa's bedroom, and she started to scream, Mama! Mama! Rosa said she ran into her bedroom, and that's where she saw her 12-year-old granddaughter levitating above the bed unconscious. According to the family and several others who were at the house, they surrounded the girl and started to pray. Rosa Campbell said she remembers being terrified. She said she thought, what's going on? Why is this happening? Eventually, her granddaughter fell back down to the bed. When she woke up, she had no memory of what happened, Rosa said. Latoya and Rosa said that, they, that the people that were in the house that night refused to ever return. I might feel the same way. <laughs> Sorry. Rosa says she remembers telling her daughter, we need help. We need to talk to someone who knows how to deal with it. Latoya and Rosa began with calling local churches, but most refused to listen or visit the home. They would make suggestions that Loya should try and clean the demon house by pouring ammonia and bleach throughout the home. They also suggested for the family to draw crosses on every door and to create a makeshift altar to put in the possessed basement, and told Latoya to bathe her children in olive oil. Latoya decided to go another route and reached out to two clairvoyants who claimed the house was possessed by more than 200 demonic spirits. The family did not have the money to move or to break the lease on the house, and they felt like they had no other choice but to stay. That is tough, you know? Ugh. I don't remember who I was just probably, it was probably JR, but we were saying like, what the fuck would you do? Like if you didn't have the money to move or couldn't just pick up and leave, what would you do? I don't know. Don't know. Don't want to find out either. 
Latoya tried everything she could to exercise the home. She would only wear white clothing, burn sage, and read Psalms 91 out of the out loud from the Bible. But it seemed like it was only making things worse in the house. Latoya said she would find her children speaking in tongues with bloodshot eyes looking very sinister. Her daughter would say that she always felt like she was being choked or held down so she couldn't speak or move. Her daughter also said that she would hear a voice telling her that she would never see her family again and that she would only live for another 20 minutes. If you're wondering why I keep saying her son, her daughter, instead of just saying their names, it's because I read an article from LaToya where she prefers not to use her children's names, so obviously I'm not going to use her children's names. That's why. Her youngest son would lock himself in his closet and talk to a boy that no one else could see. Rosa said one time the seven-year-old flew out of the bathroom as if someone had thrown him, and another time a headboard once smacked into LaToya's daughter so hard that it caused a wound that needed stitches. Some nights would get so bad that the family would leave the house and sleep in a hotel. (laughs) Yeah, that was Luna again. She's getting cozy. Around April, LaToya sought help from a physician. During the visit, the two boys started yelling diabolically and cursed the entire staff. I'm going to fuck up this guy's name, the doctor's name. Sorry, going to do my best here, but Dr. Jeffrey Onuku, Onuku, close enough, told the star it was bizarre. 20 years and I've never seen anything like that in my life. I was scared myself when I walked into the room. In his medical notes about the visit, he wrote delusions of ghost in home and hallucinations. He also wrote history of ghost at home and delusional. A report was filed with the Department of Child Services and Police, stating that one of the boys had been thrown against the wall by an unknown source. After the incident, the boys both passed out and were hospitalized after. The youngest son kept growling and telling his brother that he was going to kill him. He would hit his brother and run into his stomach by headbutting it. Following these attacks, it was alleged that the youngest son walked backwards up onto a wall, made it to the ceiling, and then flipped over and landed onto his feet, all while holding his grandmother's hand. And there's other people that witnessed this, okay? Not just LaToya and Rosa and her kids. There were other people who witnessed this shit, okay? What the fuck? DCS examined the children for any signs of abuse, and LaToya went through a psychological evaluation. Nothing was found that proved that there was any abuse happening by LaToya or her mother, Rosa, but because of what occurred in front of the hospital staff and police, DCS made a decision to take custody of the children. The family's case manager, Valerie Washington, stated in the DCS form that all the children were experiencing spiritual and emotional distress. LaToya told the star that her and her children cried together before because they didn't want to be separated. She said, we'd already been through so much and fought so hard for our lives. It was obvious we were a team and we were beating it. 
Whatever we were fighting, we made it through together as a team, and they separated us. Staff from the hospital reached out to Reverend Michael Magnet to perform an exorcism on one of the children. The Reverend had been a priest for more than a decade, <clears throat> excuse me, but he had never received a, re- a request like this. He agreed to interview the family after Sunday Mass just a few days later. He said the first step was to rule out any natural causes for what LaToya and her family said they were experiencing. <clears throat> I don't know what natural causes would do any of this shit. Walking up walls and stuff. On April 22, 2012, the Reverend visited the Ammons family at the Carolina Street home. They sat for two hours while the family told him everything that they had been ha- that had been happening to them. At one point, Rosa interrupted the interview to point out a flickering light in the bathroom. When the Reverend would walk over to investigate why the light was flickering, <clears throat> damn, damn throat, stop it. It would suddenly stop. He attributed that to a demonic presence. He later told the star that he thought, it must be scared of me. Once again, the interview would be stopped when they noticed a set of Venetian blinds in the kitchen swaying back and forth, even though there was no air current. The reverend also stated that he saw wet footprints throughout the living room. Latoya complained about having a headache, and when the reverend placed a crucifix against her head, he said she started to have convulsions. That would be so terrifying to see, you know, like putting a cross on somebody and they just start convulsing like, "Mm, no, thank you. After a four hour interview, he was convinced the family was being tormented by demons and he believed there were also ghosts in the house. Before the reverend left, he blessed the house with holy water in each room, praying and reading from the Bible. He told LaToya and Rosa to leave the house, that it wasn't safe for them to stay there. They temporarily moved in with relatives. Within a week, the women were back at the demon house so they could let their case manager, Valerie Washington, and a police officer from the Lake County Police Department check the condition of the home. Two other police officers, one from Gary and one from Hammond Police Departments, asked to join them out of professional curiosity. They're like, let me, let me see what's going on in here. I would maybe want to see too if I was a cop or, you know, felt like I could control it in some way, even though you can't. The layout of the house was three bedrooms, a living room, one bathroom, hardwood floors, and a small open style kitchen all on the main floor. A door in the kitchen led to the basement with concrete floors. Directly under the stairs was a dirt floor, and the concrete around it was jagged, like it had been broken, or cut. The makeshift altar that was suggested to LaToya to make was still sitting in place, along with the rings of salt she poured against the basement walls to dissuade the demons, according to the Hammond Police Department report. Rosa told the officers that the demons seemed to emanate from beneath the stairs by the jagged concrete. While Rosa was being interviewed, one of the officer's audio recorders started to malfunction. The power light was flashing, indicating that the batteries were low, but that officer had placed new batteries in the recorder earlier that same day. Another officer was using his recorder in the house, and when he played back the audio later that day, he heard an unknown voice whisper, Hey, 
hey. <laughs> hey. They said hey. Sorry. I was trying to make it creepy, but mm, don't know if that worked. According to Lake, uh, Lake County Police Records, that's what they said. That's what the record said, that they heard the hey whisper. Those records also stated that the same officer took photos while at the house, and in one of the shots from the basement, you can see a cloudy white image in the upper right-hand corner. When the officer enlarged the photo, the cloudy spot appeared to resemble a face. The enlargement also revealed a second green image that police say looked like a female. Austin, the Gary police captain, said he believes in ghosts and he believes in the supernatural, but not in demons. He then said he changed his mind after visiting the Ammons' home. He's like, oh, hell no, I believe in demons now. I believe. He snapped photos with his iPhone and they all seem to have silhouettes in them. The radio in his police-issued Ford malfunctioned on his way home. Later, he said the garage, the garage would not open at the would not open at the Ammons home, even though all of the power was on and working everywhere else. He also stated that the driver's seat in his personal vehicle started moving backward and forward on its own. In April 2012, DCS petitioned Lake Juvenile Court for temporary hard wardship of the three children. The request was granted. DCS found that LaToya neglected her children by not having them in school all the time. LaToya told her case manager that there were three times she couldn't send her children to school because the spirits would make them sick or they would be up all night without sleep. LaToya's daughter and oldest son were placed together at St. Joseph's Carmelite Home in East Chicago, and her youngest son was sent to Christian Haven in Wheatfield for psychiatric evaluation. Clinical psychologist Stacy Wright evaluated LaToya's youngest son. She said he tended to act possessed when he was challenged, redirected, or asked questions he didn't want to answer. Wright wrote that he seemed coherent and logical except when he talked about demons. She said his stories then became bizarre, fragmented, and illogical. He would ask her, Can you die if you go to space? How do you get to space? Do you have to wear a helmet and suit? That just sounds like a normal eight-year-old kid to me. Like, can you die if you go to space? Wright believed the eight-year-old did not suffer from true psychotic disorder. This is what she wrote in her psychological evaluation. This appears to be an unfortunate and sad case of a child who has been induced into a delusional system perpetrated by his mother and potentially reinforced by other relatives. Clinical psychologist Joel Swartz, who evaluated LaToya's daughter and oldest son, came to a similar, similar conclusion. He wrote, there also appears to be a need to assess the extent to which LaToya's daughter may have been unduly influenced by her mother's concerns that the family was exposed to paranormal experiences. LaToya's daughter told Swartz that she saw shadowy figures in their home, and she said she went into trances two different times. LaToya's older son told Swartz that doors would slam and stuff started to move around. LaToya was also examined several times by psych psychologists 
who said she was guarded but did not seem to be experiencing symptoms of psychosis or thought disorder. Even after everything they had been through and were still going through, LaToya, Rosa, and the children continued to insist they were possessed by demons. DCS set goals for the Ammons family, and while they worked on meeting those objectives, police and DCS officials continued to investigate strange occurrences in the house. On May 10, 2012, a large group of people all came together at the Ammons' home. LaToya Ammons, Rosa Campbell, the the two police officers from the initial visit, Reverend Michael Magnet, Magnet, two Lake County officers with a police dog, and DCS family case manager Samantha Illick. Samantha Illick told the Star she volunteered to go in Valerie Washington's place because Washington didn't want to go back to that house. Everyone headed to the basement. The Reverend wanted wanted to check the dirt under the stairs for a pentagram or personal objects that may have been cursed. He said a pentagram may indicate indicate a demonic presence. Sorry, I'm having trouble all of a sudden. It may indicate a demonic presence and possible portal to hell, according to Lake County Police report. He also added that if someone had died in the house and was buried under the stairs, it could explain paranormal activity. One of the police officers started to dig. He dug a four-foot by three-foot hole beneath the stairs, unearthing a pink press-on fingernail, a white pair of panties, a political shirt pin, a lid for a small cooking pan, socks with the bottoms cut off below the ankles, candy wrappers, and a heavy metal object that looked like a weight for a drapery cord, police records state. It's like so random, like a fingernail socks that were cut like literally just what would rest on like your right above your ankles that was all that was to the socks somebody cut the rest out the part where your feet go weren't there just very random things in this whole white panties like why why were those things there it's very strange the dirt was then raked back over the hole The reverend then blessed salt, which he said is a barrier to evil, and he spread it beneath the stairs and throughout the rest of the basement. Samantha Illick said she was standing in the living room with the rest of the group when she said her pinky started to tingle and whiten. She told the others that that her finger felt like it was broken all of a sudden. Within 10 minutes, Samantha felt like she was having a panic attack and she couldn't breathe. She had to leave the house and walk outside. When the reverend started asking LaToya some questions, she complained again of having a headache and shoulder pain, and according to police records, she joined Samantha outside. Austin, the police captain, said he left the house around nightfall. This man who has been shot at investigated rapes, murders, and armed robberies during his more than three decades on the force said he wasn't staying in that house past dark. The other officers continued to walk throughout the home and found an oily substance dripping from the Venetian blinds. The officers wiped the substance from the blinds and sealed off the room for 25 minutes to make sure no one had poured the oil onto the blinds. When they went back into the room to check, the oil had reappeared according to police records. Fuck that. 
Like what, what kind of oil, like, what are we talking here? You know, like oil, like diffuser oil, car oil. It's just weird. Where is this oil coming from? The Reverend told police that the liquid was a manifestation of a paranormal or demonic presence. He wrote a report on his findings and asked permission from Bishop Dale, this is another one I'm going to butcher, Melchek, to perform an exorcism on the Ammons. Neither the Reverend nor the Bishop had ever authorized an exorcism in 21 years. The Bishop initially denied the Reverend's request. He told him to contact other pre- priests who have had pr- who have performed exorcisms. The reverend needed other priests to give him the ritual for a minor exorcism, which does not require church approval. The priests he the priests he consulted told him to look it up on the internet. I thought that was weird. Like, come on, bro. There's internet now. The Reverend did an intense blessing on the Ammon's home to expel bad spirits. On that same day, he also performed a minor exorcism on the Ammons. The ritual consisted of prayers, statements, and appeals to cast out demons. Two police officers, Samantha Illick and the DCS family case manager, all attended the ritual. Illick said, We felt like someone was in the room with you someone breathing down your neck. She also said she had a string of medical problems after visiting the home. She said, I had friends that wouldn't talk to me because they believed that something had attached itself to me. She jokingly said, I'm already evil. They try to find, <clears throat> they try to find something that's not evil and corrupt it. They wouldn't waste their time on me. Once the ritual was over, the reverend told Latoya to look up the names of the demons that were tormenting her family, that each demon has a name and a personality. He was planning to use their names to fight the demons during the exorcisms. When Latoya had a friend look up the names by searching for the problems they were experiencing, the computer kept shutting down and she started to feel sick and lightheaded. The demons were like, no, bitch, you ain't learning my name you ain't learning my fucking name that's quote exactly what they said through the computer to latoya's friend just so you know but they found the names that fit what they were dealing with one name they found was was beezlebub lord of the flies latoya said they also found names of demons that hurt and torture kids After the first minor ritual, the bishop gave the reverend permission to exorcise the Ammons. This ritual is the same as the minor one, but more powerful because it has the backing of the Catholic Church. In June 2012, the reverend performed three major exorcisms on the Ammons, two in English and the last one in Latin at his Merrillville Church. He pressed a crucifix against Latoya's head as he spoke. As he spoke, I cast you out, unclean spirit, along with every satanic power of the enemy, every spectra from hell, and all of your fell companions, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The reverend said his voice got louder and more forceful as the demon grew weaker. He could tell how strong the demon was because of Latoya's convulsions. Latoya said she prayed with him until it became too painful. 
She said she felt like something inside of her was trying to hold on and inflict pain at the same time. I was hurting all over from the inside out. I'm trying to do my best and be strong, LaToya remembers. Eventually, LaToya fell asleep. She said that was the demon's way of lessening the ritual's effect. At the time of the exorcisms, LaToya and her mother, Rosa, had moved to Indianapolis, but they drove back for the exorcisms and court hearings, and her children were still in DCS care. The Reverend had also blessed the family's new home to prevent more problems from happening there. In the final exorcism at the end of June 2012, the Reverend said he prayed and berated the demons in Latin rather than English. No police officers attended the last one, so Reverend Michael's brother stood guard. It was the last time that Latoya Ammons ever saw Reverend Michael. She said her mother drove back to Indianapolis, where they say they now live without fear. LaToya Ammons regained custody of her three children in November 2012. DCS continued to check in on the children to make sure they were attending school until the case was closed in February 2013. And they say they live happily in peace now. You know, they're not afraid anymore after the exorcisms. They're in a new house um, and they're they're just safe. They feel safe. Um, Yeah, it's crazy. There was a statement made by LaToya saying, you know, when people talk about this kind of thing, I believe them because she knows because she experienced it. Her family experienced it. So pretty fucked up, right? That shit is crazy. Like moving into a house, like you have no idea. Like you are taking a risk. If you believe in paranormal activity, um, you know, demons, any of these things, spirits, ghosts, you take a risk basically moving into houses, buying anything from flea markets, antique shops. But that's like, you know, most of my stuff is from places like that. So just be careful, burn sage, um, always cleanse the things that you bring into your home. And yeah, that's about it. So I hope you enjoyed that episode. Like I said, I'll be back in about a week or so to give you part two. Until then, you can find me on Spotify, Uh, hit the subscribe button, and you will get notifications with new episodes every other week. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at True Crimes Untold Podcast, and I will see you guys in two weeks. Bye!